Hi, Navy. Thank you so much for being with us today. How are you? Hi, Amelia, and hi, everyone. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. So this season's theme is all about healing work, and our conversations have been taking us through an exploration of what it means to look to our roots as both the source and the focus of our healing. Rather than following the tendency of modern medicine and the dominant culture in general to treat the symptoms of bodily or spiritual, ecological, and cultural disease. But today we're going to be looking at the roots of home and what it means to redefine and create it on your own terms while remaining in integrity with the fullness of who you are. So I'm here with my friend, Navy Graber, who is here to tell her story today as it relates to the art of tending to relationships across distance and personal, geographical, and cultural transformation. She is a learner in the field of peace, holistic living, decolonization, and healing and is an advocate for community, transformative justice, nonviolence, mental health, and sustainability. She is an enthusiast of adventure, curiosity, craft gluten-free beer, mushrooms, and fresh produce. So how have you been? What's going on? Um, I am in an RV living my best life (laughs) (laughs) um it's a small space that um is completely new to me I've yeah the, the concept of an RV is so fascinating um so I've I've never really been in that like granola lifestyle until now, I guess. Um because <laughs> um, that's what people do, you know, because of um the housing crisis, like people are just like, you know what, I'm gonna make a schoolie or renovate an RV or just make, you know, a tiny home. Um and so yeah, it's exciting that I've always thought of it um, and like like thought of the idea and have always heard about the idea, but then now to actually live it is so exciting and adventurous. Yeah, it's compact and nomadic. Right. Like a modern day nomad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am still, <laughs> after four years, I guess I'm still a nomad, but at least for now... <laughs> Um, it's not like I'm moving every three months, um, move somewhere every three months. So, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you just to kind of get us into a place, Mm -hmm. like why this topic was something that you wanted to speak about. Mm -hmm. I know that like when I put that offer out there you were like yes I have so much to say about this Mm -hmm. and I just love to hear like why it's something that you Mm -hmm. feel so passionate about speaking yeah for sure um again like I said (laughs) I move to a new place every three months for the last four years and so I would make such good connections and you know 
want to continue those connections and friendships, whatever kind of relationships it is, um, I then find myself with just about everyone, <laughs> um, everyone I, I've met. Um, and that has that gifted me. I say gifted now, but when I went through it, of course, I did not um, feel like it was a gift <laughs> to be in long distance with everyone. But I, <laughs> I see it as a gift now because I was able to meet so many people and make such good connections and just like suddenly sit down and have this like invisible community because you're all spread out like you don't really see each other like you know five minutes away from each other but like um you know that they're always with you in spirit and that you will always be with them in spirit and like always thinking of them and um and and the reason i was yeah i was able to to i guess finish my bachelor's degree is because i was able to fa like to to have a system for myself on how to like deal with with the long distance um either that's with my adopted parents or my friends or my partners um and and try to make the best out of it yeah yeah uh, and this is for me is like the ending and like the start of a completely new book not just completely new chapter but completely new book um <laughs> and this is like the perfect way to do that to like end something and then start something um and like commemorate that with something huge like you know being in a podcast with you and talking about some of the things I've learned so yeah oh I'm so glad to hear that this can be like that closure and beginning to tell your story yeah so thank you so much for this opportunity I'm so so glad to have you here thank you uh -huh. <laughs> and you touched on this just now but some pretty major milestones in your life recently getting married mm -hmm. in March three months ago I have to say <laughs> that seeing you at your own altar playing the guitar was one of the highlights of my whole year oh <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that it touched you um as much as it touched the people who were in our circle and Patrick of course who who was like crying <laughs> when I played my guitar and was singing but yeah I'm glad that it impacted you too guys Navy was in her wedding dress at the <laughs> altar playing the acoustic guitar like, <laughs> as vows were being exchanged and you know it was it was just beautiful <laughs> and mm -hmm. you've also graduated from university mm -hmm. which has been such a long road and congratulations this is an exciting time in life so very happy for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Amelia. <laughs> You're welcome. It's amazing. <laughs> and I was wondering if you could get us into more of this story of yours by telling us a bit about your educational journey mm -hmm. and how you're processing it now that you are for now on the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I think that this is a great question to just like continue on that trajectory of just like, okay, like we're easing into this, the story and these lessons. Um, because honestly, like, um, these, these things that these moments, these experiences, um, would not be true, um, or would not happen if not for my educational journey. So I think that, um, what's been keeping me going is my education. And with that um, comes community and family and um, intentional relationships. So yeah, I um, came to the US as a freshman in 2018 and started out at Heston College studying music therapy. Um, and I, I loved it. I mean, <laughs> um, it, it, it taught me, this was the first place that taught me what family and unconditional love and liberating education means. Um, of course, it's, you know, a white Mennonite institution, but um, the professors are so intentional and, and just like the whole Hessen College community as a whole, um, are intentional about, um, shaping what family and unconditional love means. Um, and then I transferred to Indiana Wesleyan University, um, in hopes that I would finish my music therapy degree and become licensed as a music therapist. Um, however, I felt like something was just not quite right. Um, I just didn't feel like I wanted to do music therapy. Um, like once I graduated college or even just throughout my life, I, I felt like I um, I have so much more than just focusing on music therapy because music therapy, I feel like, is a very um, focused line of work, like, you know, nursing. Um, and, and so long story short, after a lot of processing, I decided that I want to um, study peace building and justice. Um, and I wanted to do that at Eastern Mennonite University. And this is because I know that EMU is known for um, its, um, you know, focus on peace building and justice um, and not just in the um, political context, but also in like the faith context um and i wanted i wanted both contexts yeah and i managed to complete my bachelor's degree in four years i didn't think that i would be able to do that um and um in in hand with that hand in hand what goes hand in hand with my educational journey is also my journey and healing and um, choosing my own family and finding um, 
and finding my community and my support system um, because as we will talk about it more um, here in our in our time that my parents are just hmm, just not serving me or how do I say it? I don't know. They're just, I, I felt like I deserve, deserve more than what I was getting from my parents. So I think I'm just rambling here, trying to figure out um, the term, because I don't think any of us children who have been um, abused by their parents and have childhood trauma knows what, what to say like I would be surprised if anyone who um is my age and went to through the same things as I did um and would have a certain term um to to explain why they just are not in contact with their parents and and choose a different family um and I hope that this conversation will actually you know um, yeah, continue that um, that conversation and, and, and figure in figuring out that term. But anyways, um, yeah, that I guess like <laughs> would go into your next question. I might be getting ahead of you, but um, yeah, like I've endured childhood abuse by my biological parents and, um, ended up having to just choose my own family and find my own support system and community. And when I say support system, um, and what I mean is that um, the people who also sees value in education and in helping me to attain that um, and, you know, supporting me financially um, through prayers as well or just giving care packages or checking in on me um and things like that so yeah thank you navy mm -hmm. and i find that for me one of the draws of trying to hold space for a conversation like this which is about like how do you create home and family on your own terms mm -hmm is really compelling because you don't know when someone walks into a room the baggage and the history of relationships that they're carrying mm -hmm. and that's very much contained in what you were just sharing about your childhood and the trauma there but also in the struggles of international students to entertain to obtain their education mm -hmm. which i find that people are not very much aware of if they're not in themselves in that situation or close to someone who is in that situation but the reality is family support is one of the key ways that people are able to study in other countries and it's yeah. extremely expensive right yeah <laughs> yeah so like I said it's not just financially but also just emotionally and mentally like you you need support and not getting that from your biological parents is really hard. Um, and so part of the educational journey is also the journey of 
figuring out life. <laughs> like, who's Navy? What does she want? <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you get to choose, right? So it's mm-hmm. like a reframing of a narrative, probably, that mm-hmm. that you do not have agency as someone mm-hmm. who grew up in that kind of environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um like that that process them telling your story um it's an important process in healing from um from your trauma and for me my trauma is chronic ptsd um i've been diagnosed with chronic ptsd um and my therapists um through you know therapy once a week um have given me insight into into why I have chronic PTSD and that's because of um, enduring the, that childhood abuse. Um, but yeah, even after four years of therapy, to anyone who's in therapy and you know you're two weeks in and you're like, oh like this is gonna this is I like I don't feel like this is gonna work. Like please continue because <laughs> I've been in therapy for four years and a year of medications, um, and I still can't, just can't tell that story without being triggered and not okay. So um, for now, I I still can't do that, and that's okay. Um, And my therapists also encouraged me um, to be okay with that because it does take, you know, a long time it's it's a process um but i would say that one of the things um that is important to me right now in figuring out figuring out how to tell that story is um to figure out what what you want your story to be um because like you said amelia there's you know there's different narratives and you get to choose which one which one you you want and which one you want to create and keep with you um Mm -hmm. and in order to do that is to figure out like what do you want (laughs) um because i had a hard time figuring out what i want um also, you know, um, because I, I've grown up having to always listen to what other people want, um, especially, you know, as a person of color and as a woman, um, society is so used to telling you what, what you need to do (laughs) and what you should want, um, and, and having to decolonize that thinking, um, that's, that's part of the process of telling your childhood story. Um, yeah, this is, this is how I distinguish between my childhood and the present moment. And that is, I, I can tell you what love is and I can tell you um, when I feel love, um, I can tell you um, when someone is not loving. I can tell you that now, but I was not able to 
in during my childhood, if someone asks me um, or asked um, present tense ask um, as a child, hey, Navy, how do you know that someone loves you? I would cry because I I would not know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's encouraging to me that I'm able to distinguish that. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's just where I'm at right now. And that leads into the next thing that I wanted to ask you really beautifully, which is that when you have now like identified with the places in your relationships where love does thrive Mm -hmm. as a person who has moved around the world and around the country so much, how do you tend to the place of family in your life? And what have you learned about creating chosen family? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, like I said before, I've learned so much about creating a chosen family from my time at Heston College. Um, like having uh, what's called mod parents. Um, my fellow Heston College alumni would know what I mean. Um, and mod parents are basic kind, basically kind of like a a stand-in parental figure for all the fun things (laughs) like being able to um, you know just be in a house rather than in a dorm and having a kitchen and having like like I don't know like an actual tv (laughs) Um, and just just like having a homey comfy space and and being looked after um because like my parents also you know at least my pot my parents gave us treats like every two weeks like fresh salsa and chips every two weeks um (laughs) (laughs) and and would give us like just um yeah like like treats for for birthdays and um yeah holding spaces for um for our human need to, to have like a home and um, like mentors and parents. Um, and then uh, one of those instances is actually um, what led me to my now adopted parents, Tara and Brett Swartzendruber. Um, and they, even though <laughs> at the times that I, I, I doubt them, they did not doubt me and um, that was also just, oh my word, I cannot even begin to describe how important that was and still is to me that they did not doubt me even when I doubted them. Mm. Um, and I don't think I I have said that to them yet. I need to. <laughs> um, and um, also through therapy, um, my therapists, um, the different therapists I've seen have always reminded me that um, nobody, not even your biological family, can stop you from creating a chosen family. You get to choose the treatment you deserve. Um, 
And also, this is why I consciously changed my name from Rudyani to Graber. Um, because I, I can either just choose to use the family name that I was born into or choose the family name that um, I chose for the rest of my life, like the, the family that I choose to be associated with for the rest of my life. And, and yeah, um, finding people you can trust um, and that you can be vulnerable with um, and that will challenge you and, and that you can also challenge in turn. Um, that's how, yeah, that's how I've learned. <laughs> mm. yeah. And it, it reminds me, um, a conversation that I had season with Daniel Belarus, who mm-hmm. founded the Friendly City Safe Space. Mm-hmm. Um, they spoke in the beginning of that conversation about the safe space being community center that was founded with the intention of providing and offering an space for mm-hmm. people who have been oppressed and who have mm-hmm. been pushed out of their biological families or from their communities around faith um, and just community social structures that provide opportunities to gather and build community and then offering a third way side of the religious and family context that have been so abusive to queer community and to other oppressed people. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, I think that the concept of chosen family is a concept that branches out from decolonization and that oppressed people are really forwarding that notion by asserting their rights to live in community without fear, Mm -hmm. without fear of facing violence, without fear of being alone. And just how you spoke to the human need for Mm -hmm. family connection, a place where you can be at ease knowing that you're loved Mm -hmm. and a place where you don't have to be anything except who you are. And this idea that we can break free from our families of origin and find belonging in a way that rebuilds that committed relationship structure on a foundation of unconditional love reminds me so much of the work that so many of us are trying to do to break down the American ideal of individualism like we're all out there fending for ourselves and as soon as we find the atomic family then like all of our like emotional baggage all of our trauma all of our social life all of our aspirations get funneled into this atomic family and chosen family feels like a much more expansive liberating framework that can be much broader than just romantic relationships Mm -hmm. for one thing and yeah biological kin but like really building relationships that reflect and nurture who we want to be not who we are told we should be and that is an expression of decolonizing our relationships 
And at the root of that idea is that our relationships are so shaped by the conditions and restrictions of white supremacy and religious dogma and patriarchy. So this is just to remind myself out loud and for anyone else who needs to hear it, that building relationships that are grounded in trust and vulnerability and in a revolutionary act. Yeah. And I would say that um, revolution, you know, we're, we're wanting to bring revolution. Um, um, and revolution cannot happen without L-O-V-E. The L-O-V-E in revolution is love. <laughs> um, and it's not, it's not cheesy at all. Because, because revolution doesn't happen like, say, with with forced violence or or with um, the colonized society and systems um, that have um, been historically just like. Um, that have been historically keeping us away from um, just authentic um, feelings of belonging, um, which is, you know, with, with love rather than um, with, with out, out of fear or, or anger, um, things like that. Um, and so people have been, you know, doing things not out of love, and so the way we bring change, the way we bring revolution, is is by doing it with love. Um, and some people might argue that you know having a cho chosen family is actually perpetuating the idea of um, American individualism, but but no, I. Um, I'd then argue back that um, this is challenging the American ideal of um, like assimilation, you know, of like the colonized assimilation, whether that's um, in terms of race or religion or gender, um, anything, um, right? Because coming here into America, I soon realized, oh, there is an idea of American assimilation um, and the way to um, go against that is by chosen family. It's like, no, I'm choosing what I want. Um, it's, it's not about the ideal of individualism um, because like you choosing means that there's less scarcity of like people's need for, for family, for home, for like safety and comfort um, and like a space to grow. I think that family, having a chosen family um, is so important because also it, it not only gives you um, a safe space, 
well, it should, right? Chosen, chosen family um, should be your safe space. Um, but it, it also like helps you to grow when um, like you are a living, breathing being, like you, you need um, a good environment for you to be able to grow. And so just like, just like, you know, the bees and the trees and the flowers and Thank everything. <laughs> I knew you would like that. <laughs> um, just, just like, yeah, just like them, you are a living, breathing being and you need a good environment for you to grow um, and express like your art and, and um, do the things that you want to do. And yeah. Um, so yes. Um, building relationships grounded in trust, vulnerability, and intimacy is indeed a revolutionary act. Um, and I know that to be true because I did not grow up in an environment that is grounded in trust, vulnerability, and intimacy. Um, and then, like I said, I went to very good, two very good institutions that fosters a good environment. I, um, I was in shock for a while of how how good the environment was. Um, they, you know, both Eston College and EMU um, still have room to grow um, for sure. But um, I think that, yeah, they're in the right track um, and they definitely like um, have in mind of, of creating safe spaces like EMU, you know, um, have like the safe space, um, club, um, for, um, the LGBTQ plus community at EMU, um, and yeah, um, and I, I think I'm still in shock right now, um, because I still don't know, what to do with myself when I am loved and comfortable. Like, <laughs> um, Deanna Durham, um, my, you know, um, professor and mentor, um, she was telling me of how that is completely um, expected that when you didn't grow up being loved that now that you're loved, it's like really hard to receive it. Um, especially like <laughs> as an Enneagram too. Um, <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> Yes. Oh, as an Enneagram too, you're, um, oh my word. Let me tell you for my fellow Enneagram twos out there. Um, also if you're a person of color, and or a woman in your room too, like you, like if you're, you're, yeah, um, as a person color, color and or woman in your room too, you've probably been like, <laughs> um, been with this mindset um, of um, having to help other people constantly that like when you're receiving help, it's like, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> um, yes. that's, that's an unhealthy too. Right. <laughs> and, um, 
then you're healthy too is like being able to receive that love that care that support that help whatever that is um yeah and um also i i also read books and and listen to podcasts i think that is also helpful in um being in tune with this revolutionary act um and the two books and the two people that makes me feel seen and not alone in this journey um, is one, Ashley C. Ford and her book, Someone's Daughter. Um, and then the other one is Tara Westover um, with her book, Educated. So, yeah, I really recommend um, those those two books and listen to those two people um, sure. in this for yeah to to just give you insight and and hope and encouragement um if you're currently going through you know just triggering yourself and and finding your um chosen family yeah absolutely i'm glad you brought up the enneagram for anyone who doesn't know (laughs) it's a self-reflection tool where the numbers one through nine are different traits of your personality and the idea is that we all encompass all of the different traits but we have dominant um, expressions in our personalities and the two is very much the helper who like yeah just like you said needs mm-hmm. it's to be needed in order to feel loved and it can be very hard and vulnerable mm-hmm for all of us, but especially for people with that placement to receive love in the form of assistance and acts of service. And so um, it's a very good tool for just thinking about the ways that that love shows up for you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, on that topic, I guess, um, do you have a dominant love language? The five love languages are... <laughs> I do. <laughs> We're just going into all the like all psychology the courses and, and personality. Yep. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, I do. Um, my two um, biggest ones are physical touch and quality time. Um, and I've learned that um, through the through the pandemic and quarantining. Um, you know, um, I learned that me and my loved ones like to watch a show or a movie through a streaming service through Teleparty. Um, I think, I, I don't know if it like just recently became a thing because of the pandemic and quarantine um, in 2020 or it's it's been a thing this whole time. But I, I discovered that during pandemic and quarantining um, and that's our way of doing quality time um and then for like with with my with my friends like um they know who they are <laughs> they always say i'm giving you a big hug right now <laughs> yeah. um and, and that's always so good to hear like for a physical touch person who's doing long distance when you hear the words um I'm giving you a big hug right now. It's really, really impactful. And so um, if you're a physical touch person or if you 
you know, someone um, whose dominant love language is physical touch, I would like encourage you to just give them, like shoot them a text randomly, give them random texts and say like, I'm giving you a big hug right now. And like, that I love so- that. <laughs> I have physical touch and quality time as well. And yeah. everyone who doesn't know their love language, it's, you can take a quiz, but there mm-hmm. are five different types. The other three are um, acts of service, words of affirmation and gift giving Mm -hmm. and yes it's just so helpful to have the the language that really like hits home for those different expressions Mm -hmm. and languages of love Mm -hmm. and most of us have experienced any moment where you're you're living apart or in separation from people that you love the most and I feel like it's such a helpful it's a helpful thing to have someone speak about that experience which is another reason why I really wanted to have this conversation with you like in the experience of being long distance from your loved ones there's heartache there's growth it's a time of so much self development and you get to know yourself or you hide from yourself right And there's like such a growth in the area of communication if you do it well Mm -hmm. and like being comfortable with silence and being comfortable with your being with yourself, Mm -hmm. but also being able to like communicate your care and like your bond with the people that you love and like to still be present in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, in your experience, what have you learned about yourself and how have you navigated being apart from your loved ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I find this to be true for me and um, other people who I've come across with who um, have done or is going through um, long distance relationships, whether that's, you know, with family, friends or partners um, that, I find and other people have found that um, you're able to um, sharpen um, your identity when you are in a long distance relationship. Um, And this is because um, you, you still have, you know, that security of like, yes, I, I have a home, I have a family, like they're always there um and and okay like now i don't need to to worry about that i can now like really explore myself right um at least that was like for me that was helpful and um the people that i've talked with um have found that to be helpful and so they were like well use this time to really figure out who you are because like you're already um you know in a in a good brain space um and i found that i am smarter braver (laughs) stronger and more capable than i give myself credit for um (laughs) um, and honestly like the separation part of it like i i just stumbled (laughs) i just stumbled through it honestly (laughs) um because I, I don't know if there is a way to make it better. Like there is a way to to see it from a different perspective, yes. 
um, and not just focused on the separation. Um, um, you, yeah, but you still can't, you can't change the fact that it sucks, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, um, also it, it makes it, get this, this might be like counterintuitive, but long distance actually makes you more intimate if you're doing it with the right person, of course, right? Mm. Um, get this. <laughs> get this. <laughs> it's actually better. <laughs> no, um, but, <laughs> but like, I think, like, you know, because Patrick and I, like, met last summer, and that is under a year ago. <laughs> it blows my mind, Navy. I remember <laughs> you coming home and, like, talking about this man that was like, wow. <laughs> like, we met last summer, um, 2021, and, like, we met, like, I still remember the date, June 5th. Met June 5th. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, spent the whole summer until, like, middle of August, and then you know, continued talking over long distance because he stayed in Vermont and um, I continued my studies at EMU and I was in Virginia and, um, you know, being like 12 hours, 10 hours apart is really, really hard. You can't just like drive an hour, you know, to get where your person is. Um, And we like we both found that we were able to ask like such deep intentional questions like um yeah and and like sharing you know in turn your deep intentional answers with each other um yeah. and that that is more intimacy than um you know um just being with each other and like you know small talk like each day i i think i actually like now that i'm like in person with patrick now that we're both in person living in the same space um i've found for myself that i actually have to um like uh, how do you say it like it's actually harder to think of deep intentional questions because you're always around each other right it's like Oh, I can, uh, I, I don't know. It's just like you, you're, um, it's just a, a different intimacy. And let me tell you, like conversational intimacy is so, so deep, like mm. so deep. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, it, I, I might even argue that it's deeper than a hug. Like it's, it's more <laughs> intimate well, than a hug. Like this is like, this is just you know a whole concept for me as a physical touch person um and then being able to have like deep intentional conversations and just feeling like oof like that was good like that was better than a hug dang getting different <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah <laughs> um, i love that that's hilarious yeah like um, just when you thought it couldn't get deeper than a hug so yes I I've lived apart from partners for quite seasons and have found it difficult and challenging and I think one of the hardest things for me was understanding that quality time and being present with someone is a skill that you have to cultivate 
especially when you can't be in physical space with someone. It doesn't mean that you can't be present, but feeling really seen and understood and feeling like my relationship with that person is one of the things that is making me grow in the direction that I want to be growing was so much more difficult to receive from my long distance relationships, especially because on the phone or whatever, like talking and spending time just always felt like it paled in comparison (laughs) to Mm -hmm. like being with that person and the energy Mm -hmm. that I got from them. And so it did, it challenged me a lot to just be able to hold myself up and know that like, this is temporary, but I can't rely on my partner or my person for like this, this longing that I feel to be supported and to be, um, fulfilled by relationship. Like I had to learn how to, how to like provide that for myself and that's I think what people mean when they talk about loving oneself as like necessary precondition for having good love with Mm -hmm. another person long term Mm -hmm. and so for anyone who is struggling right now with separation from loved ones do you have any practical emotional spiritual (laughs) tips that you would give them yeah um um I'd say for me um you know these are just like things I do and you don't have to do exactly what I do and um like this should just inspire you um like I like to write physical letters I hate writing letters um like on on a word document or a google doc um but writing physical letters like is so much better than writing an email like you should try that (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but i know that sometimes for for people writing letters are very stressful um so um yeah like those who are listening to this you can play around with with these ideas but writing physical letters and exchanging them through the mail giving gifts that show you're thinking of them um and like scheduling a time to video call every week or so having that schedule is really really helpful absolutely i write i love writing letters to people and it's something that if if we can make time in our lives for that it's so meaningful and mm-hmm. it's cathartic too as a personal process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so wrapping up here with some final questions Mm -hmm. what qualities do you the relationships that have been most important and lasting in your life have Mm -hmm. good communication (laughs) (laughs) and good hugs right and good hugs oh yes (laughs) and good food oh my word (laughs) let me tell you Oh, I have so many things I feel like um, on this episode that I have just been keeping um, for myself and now I'm able to share it uh, with you and with your listeners. Um, yeah, it's just so good to share this. Like, 
you can tell a relationship is good when you are making good food together in the kitchen and having good communication like it's just so fun to communicate because um for me the reason why i'm saying this is because i didn't grow up with um people who i can communicate well with it's so interesting like um you know for <laughs> this is again my two coming out for like people pleasers too it's like you want to get along with everyone you think that you should be able to communicate with everyone right um pretty well um which like in a way like yes you need to be able to learn how to communicate well with not just the people that you choose to communicate with but like with just you know just anyone who comes across you um but there's there's again that like deeper level of um your your chosen people um your chosen community your chosen family um if they are chosen like they would be on the same wavelength with you um you know just like you and i Amelia. like when you know when we first met in person <laughs> before i flew to vermont i still remember last summer um like um we had such good communication that we just like connected and and i just felt like leaving from your farmhouse like walking back to um the place i was staying in harrisonburg like of meeting you first time in person it was just like oh my word like that was just so easy and yet so refreshing and like <laughs> gives me so much energy and hope and, and joy um so yeah good communication yes and how we just because you shared that story thank you for sharing that <laughs> um like you and that's how we originally connected yeah. we were in a class there and it, it feels like a metaphor because you were the tech assistant you were working for summer peace building institute so we were having our classes on zoom and your um little like screen in our tiles of the class mm -hmm. was usually on screensaver because you were there to help facilitate mm -hmm. and you weren't necessarily participating in the class until you spoke on your own experience which we don't really have time to get into but you were just you were vulnerable and that was such a powerful experience for me and for all of us that we ended up connecting and we did have this like natural connection mm -hmm. and that's what a perfect place to end right that like vulnerability <laughs> and like following the flow of like when relationships feel easeful mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful way to to navigate people Mm -hmm. yeah thank you for everything that you've shared and I cannot wait to hear the next part of your mm -hmm. new book <laughs> not even the new <laughs> chapter but the new book heck yes <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much it's yeah it's an honor to to do this with you and I think like I wouldn't have done it with anyone else like 
perfect. <laughs> and I also, that. yeah, and also like, um, yeah, an opportunity to to give this this wisdom to you know someone else, at least one other person. That's just amazing. Exactly. I know mm-hmm. that it's gonna help someone, and that's really the highlight for me so you know yeah. the time you're in Harrisonburg you have to call me okay I will <laughs> all right thanks Navy have a of great course week. you too bye Amelia bye